0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, and Happy New Year. So just in time for the new year, I have Jade Luna on the show for some Asterian Astrology 2024 predictions that I know you will find insightful. So after my first reading with Jade, I knew that this guy was onto something that is literally about to blow the astrology world up. I feel like I did when I first found human design, and I was like, why isn't anyone talking about this? This episode is so juicy. He's a self-confessed controversial astrologer and has a profound body of work that started on his own journey through a silent meditative process in India, where he dissected a lost book of Alexander the Great called the Yavana Jataka. So he was the first astrologist who predicted the world events in 2020. Yep that one jade predicted it so sit back and listen in on this conversation it's quite juicy we talk about asterian astrology and how it compares to tropical astrology how tropical astrology is different than sidreal why mainstream astrology is not the most accurate how the gods and goddesses rule over our consciousness we even go into the divine feminine and divine masculine and our roles in karma here We talk a little bit about my private reading with Jade, and then the part I know you're all waiting for, how Jade sees our evolution with money in 2024. All right, you cannot miss this one. I hope you enjoy it. Please shout this out everywhere, tag Jade, tag myself. We really wanna get this out to as many people as possible so we can share the wealth in 2024. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Wealthy and Aligned by Human Design the podcast dedicated to helping you use human design in your business from the ground up. You have everything you need right now to start serving the world with immense value and get paid to do it. In this podcast, I teach you how. Now, let's get into the episode. Okay, well, Jade, welcome to the show. I have been so excited to talk to you more. So the first reading we had was one of the most insightful astrology explanations that I've, like I've ever received. I don't think I've ever felt such a resonance with a system since I found human design seven years ago. So I'd love to start with you just explaining to the listeners exactly what astrology you read, the significance of it, maybe your journey with it, because it's not the typical astrology that we're all used to.
1: No, it's the oldest system of astrology known to man. Um, when I lived in India, um, which I was a Vedic astrologer under the name Chandra Shankar there for for years, and I had a silent guru, uh, Meher Baba, which means when I had when I went to India. Um, First, I started with an Agora tribe that I spent several of my trips with. And then I ended up with a guru named Bal Kachuri, and his guru was Mayor Baba. And it was a place of silence. So I would go there and have to be silent for months sometimes. And out of boredom, and I already had a job at this time, just to shorten the story of being a Vedic astrologer. Right. Um, I went to um, a library um, right outside the place I stayed out in Nagar and found an an ancient text called the Yavana Jataka. Um, And it was a book that Alexander the Great had left in Northern India. Uh, Alexander the Great and his priests learned astrology in Alexandria, Egypt. And when, when Alexander the Great would take over a location, he would also teach the people of that location a certain type of mysticism and spirituality, so he'd bring his priests with him. after he conquered a place and they would teach astrology, mysticism, um, and these deep forms of the occult, well, when he took over Northern India, he left a book there called the Yavana Jataka. And the Brahmins, and and what I'm saying here, by the way, is incredibly um, difficult for some people in India to digest, by the way. Oh, okay. This is challenging for Indian astrologers. So Asterion kind of confronts everybody. Okay. So um, Alexander Great left the book there, the Yavada Jataka. The Brahmins of that time got that book and translated it into a system which is now called Vedic astrology, which they merged their system with the Yavada Jataka and kind of created their own version, which became the central part of what we call Vedic astrology to this day. So going back to my silent guru, I was bored and I had tons and tons of time to do, you know, something like translate this book back to its original Roman Greco format, Mm. which I did purely out of boredom, uh, translated it now that sounds like a major feat. Uh, and it, 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 it was, um, but a lot of the work was already done as far as the science part was, and that translations that was already done by previous professors and things of that nature. But I wanted the system to look again like it did when Alexander the Great used it. Mm. So I started modernizing this book called the Yavana Chataka. I finished translating it. My very first book that I ever released was called Asterian Astrology: The Lost System of Alexander the Great. It has my translation in the front and has three-fourths of the Yavana Jataka in the back. So you can read my translation and then go to the back of the book and read the actual Yavana Jataka that I translated. Is that still available? Like you sell that? Oh yeah. You can oh, buy okay. Hysterian Astrology, The Lost System of Alexander the Great anywhere. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's at Barnes & Noble. It's at... Amazon and so forth, and it is basically the translation of the Yam- talk. It Now it has a lot of my input in it. Uh, and where my input came in was the use of the gods and goddesses. That was a huge part of ancient astrology. So like, as an example, when you are using astrology and you say house, oh, that comes from this system. The house meant that your planet, like the sun, as an example, was in the house of a god. And that God ruled over that part of your consciousness. So this system directly aligns you with the gods. And each planet, and each house that it's in, each sign that it's in, that's using the 27, uh, is has a direct relationship with a god or goddess. So like in the West, we say guides as an example. Well, this system gives you names for every single one of them that is working for you. So This system was a direct link that your spirit had to the guides that ruled over your consciousness. And I wanted that to be known. And I wanted that to be emphasized. So I kind of downplayed the math of it um, and really emphasized the god or goddess element of it. And not only just the god or goddess, but the animal that ruled over that part. So there was a direct connection to an animal and a direct connection to a god or goddess and when I finished this system, the translation of it, I was still giving readings as a Vedic astrologer, um, and I'd go back and forth between Joshua Tree. And this is when I was really young, by the way. This was probably uh, I was probably twenty uh, when I started doing all this, and going back and forth between Joshua Tree and India. Um, <coughs> when I started using this particular system, my business changed wow rapidly, as it not just from the accuracy, but from the actual union and relationship you have with the deities that rule over your chart, and and that was very interesting. People to hear people to hear their animal totem. Yeah. Um, the animal totem was something I really constructed and put together on my own, but it was not me using my own science. It was using the science that was laid down in front of me and creating an animal totem with it, um, and then putting the relationship with the gods and goddesses right there up front. Now also when you must start making predictions with this system, it's like you're getting directly aligned with these gods. Like, I I don't know if you heard, I'm the only person that publicly predicted the pandemic beforehand. So let me explain how easy this is. Um, There was an eclipse in December 25th, 2019. That eclipse on Christmas of 2019 eclipsed every single planet. We've never had an eclipse like that. The eclipse was so powerful, I've been talking about it since 2005 publicly, which means people can hear me, um, like Concord, Massachusetts, now the Healing Essence Center, I gave a a seminar out there in 2005 about 2020 being the end of our age. It's going to start at the beginning of the end of the age we know it. The eclipse of 2019 in December was so profound that, that every planet being eclipsed was going to change the planet permanently. But specifically, the eclipse was ruled over by the god Typhon, who is the Egyptian god Set, who's the god of plagues. Mm -hmm. So I said that there'd either be an epidemic, a volcanic eruption, or a pandemic. These things were ruled over by the god Typhon, who's the Egyptian god Set, the god of plagues. And so right when it started, I knew this was where it was going. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I publicized it in a newspaper in 2019. Um, One of my clients, uh, she got an earth change reading with me. And I told her, I said, um, the planet is literally going to change rapidly overnight in 2020. Um, And as the Egyptian god Set will take the planet over that particular year. And he is, you know, about massive transition. It doesn't matter how this pandemic started whether a man did it, whether a bat did it. The right. universe said, we're going to do this. Because right. the god of plagues had the right to do so, and he was given the power to do so. So I would always say to people, they were like, oh, well, this is the reason for that.' I like, it doesn't matter, it's happening. We mm-hmm. need to pass through the law of the universe and manifest it here on this earth plane, because the planet is gonna be upgraded from this permanently, because this would start the beginning of the end of the age And my system. We're getting ready for a brand new age in 2070, and we're now in a 50-year countdown to the end of that age. Mm-hmm. So anyways, in short, the predictability with this system was unlike anything I've ever used. Um, and so much so, I kind of lost interest in the predictive part. I got more motivated by how to help people align with these gods, goddesses, and these animals that rule over their nature, saying, you know, I'll make public predictions, but in my charts, the ability to help people align with their greater, higher self was just incredibly high. But so this was a translation of an ancient text that Alexander the Great left in India. And in my book, uh, Asterian Astrology, The Lost System of Alexander the Great, I have phrases in there throughout Vedic texts where even the Brahmins in India were praising the Greeks for bringing them astrology. So we think, well, you know, the Greeks created Western astrology. No, they didn't. The Greeks were responsible for Vedic astrology. The whole awareness of where astrology came from is tapping into one of the biggest conspiracies you would ever find on this planet. Oh, yeah. And I would love for you to speak on that a little bit. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. Olumi is the godfather of Western astrology. He created the Tetrabiblos, which is the book that was the foundation of Western astrology. His guru, though, was Hipparchus, who created the system that I use. So, The big conspiracy is why did the godfather of Western astrology renounce the teachings of the greatest astrologer that ever lived? Hipparchus was so advanced that he had calculated the ages by the wobbles of the Earth's axis. He could see through the ecliptic moon how the Earth was wobbling. And this is how the Egyptians came up with ages even before him. He reconstructed ancient astrology that existed thousands of years even before him. So he was probably even in the Bible when they talk about the wise men from the East heading to the, following the stars. I believe they actually specifically were involved with Hipparchus, that he was, again, the most advanced astrologer of all time. So why would Ptolemy renounce all of his work and reconstruct a system that? His guru didn't put together or create. Well, a lot of people don't know that Ptolemy became Catholic in his lifetime. And so right there, you have a motive. You have a reason. Because in ancient time, there was a battle between who had more clout, priests, Catholic priests, or astrologers. People were often seeking out one of the other. So in the world of Catholicism, they're like, well, if we are able to get Ptolemy, and convert him, our priests win that war entirely. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then Ptolemy, um, then all of a sudden we have a calendar. We don't have the zodiac in the sky anymore. We have a calendar. a An astrologer in Egypt, an astrologer in ancient Roman Greece had two jobs creating calendars, the tropics. We created calendars by the use of the tropics. Mm. Here's where you get the word tropical astrology from. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. So an astrologer had a job to create calendars and then to observe the stars above us. The Egyptians were masters of this because the Egyptians used tropical, the tropical zodiac and the sidereal zodiac simultaneously at the same time. Mm -hmm. One, for growing crops. Tropical astrology, the seasons, mm. one for a human analysis, which was the stars in the sky. So, if you ever want evidence that the Egyptians used sidereal astrology, not tropical, it's written all over their stars and their tombs in their, their buildings. It's everywhere. I mean, you can see all over that they had used sidereal astrology, not tropical. So, when Catholicism was born, they made observing of the stars in the sky illegal which means in ancient time, you could pull out a telescope and observe the stars and put a chart together through planetariums, observatories. So that's a very interesting factor there. We would look at the stars with planetariums and observatories that were built to calculate horoscopes for people. So Catholicism was born, they created anti-divination laws, making astrology legal. What was left was the calendar. Mm-hmm. So when the observing of the zodiac became illegal in the sky, the zodiac of the or the seasons replaced the zodiac. So the first day of Aries is the first day of spring. That's when we should be celebrating January 1st. We mm-hmm. should be celebrating the new year on spring equinox. So if you take that spring equinox and you wrap the 12 months around that date, that's our old calendar. Mm. Catholicism put the names of the zodiac signs on top of it and called that astrology. Mm. The problem is, so some people can say, well, maybe the seasons work for your personality. Maybe we should be using the tropics for personality. Well, the problem is, is the Southern Hemisphere has exact opposite seasons. Uh. So... Australia, which also uses tropical astrology, would have to use a zodiac that fit their southern hemisphere. So you can hear me say on online, well, you can't apply northern hemif- hemisphere seasons to the whole globe and call that astrology. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. So western astrology is a northern hemisphere calendar that we should be using and observing for seasons. For the growing of crops, and for the positioning of you know the sun in relationship to the seasons. But as far as astrology, which means the science of the stars, that is observing you know the science that's above us. Western astrology is the only system that has ever existed that does not use the stars in the sky. Yeah, and astrology means science of the stars. Yeah, so it's very complicated, and I. And it's very upsetting for people, you know, in, in the, in the, between my last podcast and this one, I, I can't tell you how many comments I've had delete on my Instagram mm. that were pretty harsh and negative because this is a constant battle, you know, and people automatically run to, but I feel like that side. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like my sidereal side. And my response to that is, first of all, you don't know the 27. Um The idea that you're the same personality of everybody born the same month. That's the most general system of of science we've ever known. That is incredibly general. We start getting really detailed when you start using these 27 signs. First, you have to know your 27 signs. I think when you are before you can actually say, I don't feel like that sign. Second, you've been told you've been that sign your entire life. And we as mystics know astrology is real because we've reincarnated as astrologers over and over and over again. We just didn't reincarnate in an age where we weren't using the zodiac in the sky. We're doing that right now. That's why there's a problem. But your inner nature says astrology is real. So when you are reading your horoscope, you're going to go, that's real. I believe in astrology. That makes sense to me. We believe in the science of the stars, but we are in the Kali Yuga. And we are in the core of the Kali Yuga right now, which means whatever is mainstream isn't real. Maya rules over commercialism, and the deep mysteries are you know, observed by consciousness. So there is a shadow of consciousness that's out there run by Kali herself. She runs over Maya, the web of illusion, to see who could pop their head above it and who can't. Right. And if you can pop that head above her Maya, then she immediately accepts you as a disciple and brings you into real wisdom. So there's a reason why there's a, you know, a shadow of mysticism on this planet, which is for beginners. Because there's got to be some advanced stuff for us mystics that have been longing for real wisdom for thousands of years. So the commercialism is there for the beginners. It's not there for the advanced. Okay.
0: So I want to go into this because. And I don't know if this is true, but the way that I have been told and the way that I am leaning into believing is, so, and I actually have a a couple of questions about Sidreal versus uh, Tropical in the human design chart. But so this audience is, we're all human design. And I found human design when I was just in a horrible rock bottom moment in my life. And I was like, something has to be. I have to figure something out because the operating the way everyone else is operating here is just not working for me. So, my first introduction introduction to human design was, oh, there's this way that you are. There's a way that you make decisions. There's a there's frequencies about your aura that explain who you are, why you do the things that you do. And as I leaned into that and just really started to allow m- my soul to kind of come alive, Come, come alive and start working through me. I met my higher self. So this is this is a an energy, of consciousness that was definitely not Danielle running the show. It was it was a higher version of me? Is what I call my higher self. And the more I got into this experiment, and the more I played with it for seven years, and you know all different astrology things, I was like, I'm becoming more sensitive to. Things that are being explained here in this system, like it, there was no explanation, there has been no explanation for some of the the ways that I have been leaning into universal energy. Um, I became a channel, like I just started opening myself up to becoming and feeling certain ways that really weren't explained by human design. So the way I have kind of played this out, and I'm telling this story for anyone who's listening. And saying, oh my gosh, wait a minute, I've lived my whole life, this one sign and this one energy type. Like, wait a minute, just hold on. I wonder if it's we find these systems to align ourselves into the concept of consciousness. And Mm -hmm. as we find our way into expansion of consciousness, we find ourselves closer and closer to the truth. What are
1: your thoughts on that? Well, We go through stages where there are different things that apply to us at that time. Uh Now, but also let me explain something about you and your chart for a minute. Okay. Which makes you very, very unique in the fact that you haven't been off at all. And 96% of people are not the sign they grew up reading. Yeah. You're one of the 4%. That is the same sign via your sun. Yeah. 98% are not the moon sign. They grew up reading. Only 2% are. Your moon is in that 2%. Wow. The only thing that changes with you is your rising sign. You have a Sagittarius rising, which makes you a teacher now. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So um, for you, this isn't going to be that hard of a shift. Because the only thing you're gonna to have to accept is, well, your rising isn't Sag, and that's exactly what you're doing right now. Right, you're taking your sun sign, you're taking your moon sign, and manifesting it through your rising through Sagittarius of being a teacher, a mm-hmm. coach, a highly inspirational person. But you know, I think we're at a phase in consciousness where it's. People are going to start embracing deeper levels of truth. And I think that there are things that apply to us for a certain period of time that are necessary for us to grow in that moment. But I think that we're getting ready for a much larger explanation for ourselves. And I so I think that it's we're entering a phase right now, even universally, which you can clearly see on this planet, where I think deeper truths are going to start entering more into people's consciousness. But mm-hmm. it's hard for people, and I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but you know, um, we have certain things that are grained in our consciousness. And they're there, uh, they have a purpose and a meaning for a period of time. And I think we're changing out of that right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess um, I just know how protective people are of like, you know, oh, I'm a Leo. If you tell me I'm not a Leo, I don't believe or I, I have such a like an internal crisis about it. Oh, it's huge. You know, but and, right. and it's so true, because when I did have the the reading you mentioned lion three times. I'm still a Leo. And I mean, everything in me was like, I mean, Jade, blown away, just blown away. And I thought, if, I mean, if there's nothing about a lion in this, I must literally be crazy because I'm speaking to a lion half the time in my life. So, so it made total sense to me. But I guess I'm just bringing it up for like people who
1: are just super attached, like, we, let me talk about that a little, yeah. a little bit more. Because I, now I was brought back to your original question. It was like I'm born May eighth. So um, before I went to India, I had Taurus tattooed on my arm. And practical, conservative, earthly—I'm none of those things. Yeah, yeah. I've never been practical, conservative, or earthly. But man, I certainly believe that I was because I believed in astrology. Mm-hmm. You know. And then I go to India, and this is a true story my guru pulled out my chart and he was like, oh, you're a Barani. That's a type of Aries. I'm like, what? I have Taurus tattooed on my arm here. And he said to me, he said, in time, you'll adjust and become your sun sign. He said, it's funny how so many Westerners will fight me about, I feel like my sun sign when in reality, most ancient cultures use your moon sign anyways. Mm. And your moon sign is really what was and the evidence I have behind that, and, and the evidence that I actually have around Greeks using si- sidereal astrology is astronomical, um, including kings putting their faces on one side of a coin and putting their sidereal sun sign and moon sign on the back. Mm. Where you have uh, current people finding ancient coins going, it's interesting, they have their actual birth dates on these coins, but they don't have their actual real sun signs on them. I'm like, oh, no, they do. <laughs> They're just using sidereal. Um, But, you know, it was interesting when he said I was an Aries because I was an athlete in high school. And I was, like, breaking records as an athlete in high school. I was trying to be uh, a running back, to be a running back for the ASU Sun Devils in high school. Um, I was so athletic that when he called me an Aries, I fought him because, oh, no, astrology is real. You can't tell me I'm not a Taurus. But when I sat back and really thought about that, I got it. But what I got even more was being a Cancer moon, not a Leo moon. Mm. Because I was someone that was very popular in high school, but didn't like being around people. I would often run off to the desert, even in high school. <laughs> and which is fascinating, I went to parties growing up where there would be an astrologer there guessing people's sun sign. And guess what sign? I was guessed twice Cancer. Oh, wow. So when I learned, that in Western, I mean, in Vedic astrology, I was a Cancer via, because they go by your moon there, not your sun. I told the second one, because I was already using Vedic astrology, that it's so interesting how intuitive you actually are. But I have to tell you, I'm not a Cancer in Western astrology, but I am in Vedic by via my moon sign. So you were not, out of your intuition, you're actually dead on. I am a Cancer in Vedic astrology, it's not in tropical. And they sit there looking, I'm like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> you actually guessed my sidereal sign. Yeah. Um, but... We have these mental attachments, and and some of the things that people say to me are just bizarre. Like I had a Taurus uh, uh, tropical the other day, and he was like, "An Aries? Oh, but I feel so Taurus." I'm like, "What makes you so Taurus?" Oh, I love food. Oh, so us other signs can't love food? Do you know <laughs> I love food? If you're a Taurus, oh, I didn't know that. I, I made that joke to him, but I said, "Look at your job. You're a trainer. You're an athlete. You've been an athlete your entire life." Yeah said, I was in India staying up until 3 a.m. watching the NFL, <laughs> watching the Super Bowl in India. I said, I was a sports fanatic growing up. And if you hear words, this is the funniest part, if you hear words to describe me by people that don't like me, they, they describe me as an Aries. Oh, he's so arrogant. Oh. He was so self-centered. They were, they're not using tourist descriptions. They're using Aries descriptions to describe me. Um, and actually, um, being an Aries After I accepted it in India, I couldn't believe what I aligned with. Almost as if there's a reason why you start identifying so strongly with your wrong sign. Mm -hmm. Because there's such a breakthrough you go through spiritually when you realize your real sign. But I don't believe the 12 signs are good enough. I really don't believe that somebody can say, oh, you know, I'm a Cancer, not a Leo. That means really nothing to me. These ancient 27 signs are really where the power is anyways. Like the type of Leo that you are. Like there's three types of Leos, there's three types of Virgos. They're all so vastly different from one another to call them all the same sign. That's the most general system of mysticism that has ever existed, that everybody born your month is the same sign when you can visibly see that can't be true by talking to them. Numerology has more detail to it than that. So these 27 signs are hidden Mm -hmm. from people on purpose. Yeah. If you go to India to this day, The Brahmins know nothing of 12 signs. They only know about these 27. I have manuscripts showing that in France, that there were Catholic priests using some secret 27 to 28 sign system in France in the 1300s. um, The Yavada Jataka states that only Brahmins or priests can learn the 27. So, the consciousness of ancient time and in modern India is let people believe in 12 signs, let the public who they believe is ignorant have 12 signs. Let's keep the 27 to ourselves. Mm. And you can see pictures of me on my Instagram of learning with Brahmins. I learned with Brahmins. They knew nothing of 12 signs. They only knew about these 27 in India. They're called nexatras. Mm. Um, and they're, they're the, the center point of astrology. Um, The the Dixotras were also the center point of Greek astrology, but only the priests were allowed to use them. And Alexander the Great's priests were considered special because they learned and knew these 27 signs because this is your direct relationship with the universe, with the gods, houses, signs. These are all based on gods and goddesses, and these concepts are Asterian, and Western astrology is kind of took from them. Wow.
0: So if I'm choosing from sidereal, there's 13 signs sidereal or true sidereal, and then there's like C or K sidereal. Which one gives me the most accurate version of myself according to
1: your work? Well, you know, I use the ancient system, which is just basic 30 degree sidereal astrology, basic 30 degrees. Now, then in those 30 degrees, the signs, the 27 are then implemented inside of those 12. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I know we have the 13th sign. I, a lot of people don't realize, I think, I don't know if you know this or not, but in 2011, it came out on, it was a national story that you're not the sign that you think that you are. There's a 13th sign, of flucus and all that. Um, I'm responsible for that. <laughs> Me, my literary agent, and Park Kunkel in Minnesota, my book came out on that day, Asterian Astrology, The Lost System of Alexander the Great. And my uh, literary agent at the time, who was John Diamond, who did the Celestine prophecy and all that, said, I know how we can maybe make this a new story. And he goes, It's going to come out, maybe last for about like 20 minutes and disappear. But I, can, I have the power to do that. And we'll get an astronomer to validate this. So let me explain why astronomers matter. Okay. So this is the big deal. People, astrologers will say, Well, we don't trust what astronomers say. Astronomers have their own zodiac, which they use sidereal astrology. All astronomers do. All astronomers use sidereal astrology. They don't believe in the science of it, but they're actually calculating the stars. Like if you go to Griffith Park Observatory in Los Angeles and you go talk to those astronomers, they'll tell you Western astrology is wrong. Why should we listen to astronomers? You don't have to listen to them about the interpretation of astrology. But when it comes to the science, the history, they know more than astrologers do because they went to college for it. And astrology and astronomy, and this is where the punchline is, astrology and astronomy were the same science up to 600 years ago. All astronomers and astrologers were the same. Only 600 years ago did the age of reason descend upon us and we decided to separate the mystical part from the rational part so all ancient astronomers and astrologers were the same and there was not talk of two zodiacs in ancient time just one our astronomers were astrologers so these people our astronomers have went went to college learning about where the zodiac in the sky is placed, learn to see the planets going through the zodiac, an an astronomer can take you out at night and show you Venus moving through the constellation. So can I. That's how we drew up horoscopes. All evidence shows and suggests that astronomers observe the sky. Western astrology is the only system that does not observe the stars in the sky. So astronomers know because they had to learn about astrology and astronomy and its placements and where they actually are in the universe. And they had to actually study ancient manuscripts that were astrological. They had to study them inside and out. So we can't overwrite astronomers and say they don't matter because it doesn't apply or work with our 12-sign astrology system. What I'm telling you right now about... Tropical astrology being uh, being the seasonal calendar and sidereal being the stars above us. They know that. They're going to agree with me because they've studied it and seen it. They had to study Greek literature. They had to study Egyptian astrology. They don't believe in the meaning of it, which we do, but they know exactly the facts of who was using what and why. And they will all tell you, any astronomer will tell you, Astrology is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's an old calendar. Art Kumkel in Minnesota, oddly enough, was open to the idea of his name being used, of saying you're not the sign you think that you are. And there's a 13th sign out there, which we can choose to use or not. I don't care about those 12 or 13 signs at all. The gods and goddesses exist inside of these 27, and they matter most to me. And I think if people were to align with these 27 they wouldn't have a hard time making the adjustments or letting go of that sign that they think that they are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just feel like... So the gods and goddesses, they rule over 27 stars? Is that yes. what I'm hearing?
1: Okay. There are 27 main gods that are the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And they run the... i up your chart, by the way. Right now. Yeah, okay. Yep. And so... um yeah, th- these twenty-seven gods were the. I'm not going to say the Olympian gods because some of them were not, but they were the gods that had a direct relationship with human beings. Some gods chose not to interact with human beings at all, mm-hmm. but these twenty-seven had a responsibility with human nature. Okay, like you being a Persephone. Remember us talking about yes. that? Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's the head of the lion. That's the head of the head of the lion. Yes, and that is ruled by Persephone, and um. That is its own thing and is completely unlike the second bright star in Leo, which is Bacchus. And then we have, and that's the heart of the lion. And then we have the tail of the lion, which is Hymenaeus. And they're all so different from one another. To call them all Leo, we think is kind of humorous. Mm. They all have a totally different dharma or purpose. But Persephone is the goddess of spring and the goddess of the underworld. And, you know, we talked about being controversial. I told you right up front, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I can rub people the wrong way. And I like that. That's the areas in me, likes to kind of be confrontational. I actually like debates and things of that nature. Well, you're a Persephone. Uh, so it would make sense you would say, well, so am I. <laughs> yeah. Because it, yeah. these gods and goddesses have direct relationship to the shadow self and direct relationship to the conscious self. So uh, Persephone was, was the goddess of spring beauty, but also the underworld. So she had to deal with an equal amount of suffering and light at one lifetime. Mm. So you'd have to be dragged into the underworld in this life and to have moments where you're dragged into consciousness to spring and the warmth. So that would be different than Bacchus. Bacchus doesn't have those laws set aside to it where Persephone does.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. I mean, what would you... If someone is just getting started in this and they're thinking, because the only thing I think of when I think of systems is I like, okay, I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to get more in touch with who I am. I'm going to expand my consciousness. I'm going to evolve. And hopefully I'm going to find a way in this world that makes sense to me. And I feel like I'm contributing something to the collective, to society while I'm here. Where would we start with this?
1: Well, it, it, here's why I'm so aggressive about this transition. This is why I'm very open. There are other people that use Vedic and they're out there confronting Western astrologer. They're, in astrology. They're not having Art Kunkel or uh, you know their literary agent try to produce a new story, which when, when the new story came out, we were blown away. Like there we, and we celebrated. We knew it was going to be cut down. And by the way, HarperCollins and a lot of these publishing companies know the Zodiac is wrong but they make $56 million a year from astrology. So don't, I'm not going to say don't, but you can't tell me that these people are not trying to make certain people like me don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. And that as a matter of fact, since I've been around and other people, these people have put a tremendous effort in making celebrities talk about their sun signs on Mm -hmm. TV. They put money into that. So when we had this story come out, they immediately got to Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift is said, go tell everyone to go back to their side and before. Mm. This is a joke and it worked. But we were so happy that the story came out that we were like, we didn't care. We're like, that's going to grab a lot of people. That's going to grab a lot of people. But you know, here's the truth and why I'm aggressive about this. You're on this planet for one reason and that's to realize who you are. You're not here for any of, you're not here for the white picket fence. You're not here for, anything other than self-realization. There's no other reason why you're alive. That's why this planet is so hard. This planet has always been hard. 4,000 years of human history, only 27 years of peace in that 4,000. Earth has always been like it is now. It's a mess, always, because we get God realized here. Earth is school. It's not your home. Mm -hmm. There are realms higher than this that are our home, and this is why the Earth always makes certain that we're kind of in some type of turmoil down here so we can graduate from this Earth plane and go into higher consciousness. But we're here to find out who we are. So to be aligning with the sign by birth that you are not, and believing that you are something that you are not, and strongly as your mind is developing as you're a teenager reading your astrology sign, you're going to believe you're that sign. You're still letting that old Catholic nature rule over. So, so we have to... It's from who you are. That keeps you from knowing who you are, this veil of Maya, which is to your own purpose, having you aligned with a sign that you've never been. I, I cannot tell you how much happiness I would have had as a teenager reading Aries, not Taurus. Right. I was an athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. I was reading Taurus, going, I do love food. <laughs> I am stubborn sometimes. I, I find out the Aries is equally stubborn and headstrong. Yeah. Um, but I can't believe how much more alignment I would have had with myself. And I think we're at a stage now where it's time for people to start aligning with who they are because that's what astrology's job is to do. We as an astrologers have the right to align people with their higher self. So if you're aligning someone with a sign that they're not, you're not doing that person any justice at all. So someone could say, I went to an astrologer and they said, I was going to go through a hard time and I did. Why did that happen? A Saturn return is a Saturn return in both systems. Uh-huh. So. You, An astrologer that's using tropical can tell you, hey, you're going to go through a really hard week as Mars is going to conjunct your natal Mars, or you're going to go through a Saturn return, and they're going to be right, but it's all being done in the wrong signs. Yeah. Well, I mean, But because we have the right as human beings to realize who we are, and that's what our job is, and that's why we're here on this earth, is to realize who we are, mm-hmm. we can't be aligning with signs that we're not. Yeah. We can't.
0: Yeah. So this is kind of off the topic, but well, I guess it's not really off the topic, but I've always had this feeling like I just want to be done here. Like It's not that I'm not going to participate and do the thing here and self-realize. I I can't get out of it. I definitely know that. But I have this feeling like I just don't want to come back. And that is different from other people that I talk to. They're like, they love it here. They want to, they, they don't feel like there's enough time in their life to get through all the things they want to do. And I'm just like, I'm kind of done here. I don't want to come back.
1: There's five living masters on this earth at all times. And they're hidden. There's saints like Yogananda that are visible people, but there are five living masters and they're hidden. They're not public ever. They imitate the Christ, the Buddha, the Krishna and Rama. One of them is a dark master and keeps this planet in constant turmoil because his love for humanity is the greatest. So here's a lot of reverse you know, psychology for you in the realm of spirituality. There is a master that does nothing but create calamities on this earth. So he can get every human being to a place where they start going, you know what? Maybe I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe I don't want to keep going through these challenges and suffering of the earth plane. I want to stretch my vibration to something much higher than here. And that means, this master has done his job in your life. And because you're connected to Persephone, you're directly connected to that one master. So I'm connected to Hades, I'm directly connected to that one teacher Uh of calamity. So my controversy is I tell people, you know, life is tough, it's hard, you have to be able to handle anything. True peace comes when you are capable of enduring anything. Mm -hmm. Endurance is an extremely important part of spirituality. And this earth is making certain that people can have endurance. Look at Christ, look at Buddha. These people didn't have easy lives. They were beings of endurance. Yeah. And those darker types of masters were directly working with that one being to make certain that suffering existed. So that being can also learn endurance too, because then he becomes the king of endurance. You know, these great and light beings are the kings. Our light queens are all the kings or queens of endurance. These are the, our saints, these are our masters. So, that means you're directly connected to that one, so am I. And so that person would get you to a place of going, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. You can feel the higher realms of consciousness above you. You can feel the planes of light that exist above this earth realm, and they don't match the struggle here on this earth plane. That means this master has done his job. And that <laughs> conversation right there, nobody wants to hear. Nobody. means yeah. the love of the universe is creating all the problems on this planet. The love is. So you get to a point where you go, I'm done. i want to go home. So there's a divine mother wanting you to come home and she doesn't want you planting your feet here on earth. So she creates calamity. So you finally come home. That's Agora, the whole philosophy of Agora, my spiritual practice in, you know, in a nutshell, so to speak.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you for that. It feels so true. Um, Okay. So I want to have, I want to go into two more things. I want to do the 2024 predictions. If you have any for us. Yes but I love how you speak about the power of the divine feminine. So I have a bunch of stuff we can go into there. Um, I guess we can start with really listening to your explanation of a woman's role in our karma cycles. Um, when I heard you speak about that on Christine Hassler's podcast, I mean, every, I paused it. I was like, wait, this is exactly what's happening to me every month. Rewounded. Listen. So I'd love for you to speak on it. Cause I know if it's, if I feel that resonance, I know my audience is too.
1: Only two forces in creation can give you God-realization or the realization of your divine self. A God-realized master and a woman. A master does it consciously. A female does it unconsciously. A female's job is to clean up the karma of not just men, but everyone around her. Women and masters clear the karma out on this earth plane. So women have... Mechanisms inside of them that are built to bring liberation and consciousness to everyone around them and 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 I worship I've worship the goddess Kali now. I'm on my twenty seventh year of just worshiping nothing but the dark mother. Mm. Hecate, Kali, same goddess, different you know traditions. There is a button in the female form that is to break down the intellect in men. The mind is what's interfering with the heart taking over. So women are aware of that and and sometimes I say this and it's been offensive to some women, and I have to apologize for that. But there's a chaos bud in a female. It's meant to completely annihilate the practical mind so the heart can take over. And the female goes in that role. the men the men and male will often not understand it, even consider it crazy sometimes. As if some something crazy going on. But that's because his intellect is being annihilated. The rational part of the mind doesn't do anything for the sake of God realization. Matter of fact, it has to go. The female has a component in her where she is meant to liberate. The menstrual cycle is where a female clears out the majority of the karma of men around her. And you know, in the tantric tradition, which I belong to, the female form can clear out the karma of every man she's ever had sex with, even if he's a distant ex of 20 years ago. She is built; she has built-in mechanisms to liberate the male form. Yeah. And so the female form is higher. We are going into, an a- and people want to say they're balanced, they're one. Well, okay, let's use astrology to prove my point. The signs of knowledge in Vedic astrology are the first house, the fifth house, and the ninth house. They're the houses of knowledge. That is Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. They're the houses of knowledge. Then we have the houses of artha, or wealth. The second house, the sixth house, and the tenth house. They rule over wealth, our connection to the earth plane. Then we have houses of desire. The third house, the seventh house, 11th. These are desire houses. Then we have four, excuse me, three liberating houses. The fourth house, the eighth house, and the 12th house. The fourth house is ruled by cancer. The eighth house is ruled by Scorpio. And the 12th house is ruled by Pisces. The female form in astrology is the liberator.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. The animal totems I give you are based on that construction right there. Mm. The head of your animal totem is your dharma, dharma, it's there's one animal, this ancient system puts one animal ruling over those four areas your wisdom, your earthly duty, your desires, and your spiritual path. But astrology has dedicated the path of liberation to the female form mm. Yes, yeah. they're in the stars.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how does that happen? A woman pulling back the intellect of a man? as I was explaining this to my husband. And he was like, okay, so how does this work? And like, what is our role when this is happening? Like, how can we facilitate this being
1: like something that Great we- Great question. I mean, what an evolved yeah. question from a male. How how do we respond and what do we do when the female goes and it's time for me to liberate? She can <laughs> feel it. She wakes up angry. There's a frustration yeah. there that's a, around. And And what she doesn't want is that her life go to flatline to go just- boring and dull and flatline. That means she's not growing anymore. So her inner instinct is, I got to create some transitional energy. Things are kind of flatlining here and there's no growth going on where the metal's going. I need things to be stable. Mm. I, I need things to kind of flatline so I can have some peace where she's like, oh no, we're here for the fourth, eighth, and twelfth house. We're here to liberate that. So when things get flatlined, they get riled up internally as the guru starts to come out and they start looking for something that's in the subconscious that is not being worked on and they want to pull it to the surface so it starts to become worked on where the male's like okay well now we're at this now we we, we had this problem the other day and now we're actually here at this one and the female form is bringing these things out of the subconscious to be liberators so the male has to sit back and say i have to look at this i have to look at this and I have to work on this whether I like it or not right whether I like it or not this is being worked on so I, I, I you know my guru Nindy would be like it he was very tantric like I am he was like if you don't want to grow don't get married <laughs> if you didn't you embarked upon the path that you brought a female in her in your life to be living in your space and she's going to liberate you and those crazy days are the days she's actually doing it. Yeah. He's really like, I've got no grounding and everything's kind of like up in the air right now. Nothing's going on. That means that flatline energy has just been kind of knocked back. We're going to grow today. Uh, You have to sit back and embrace it and accept it and honor it. But you also have to provide emotional support to her while this is happening. I believe the problem that we have as men is we don't know that that's a function in the female form that's a liberator. And we kind of see it as crazy. Oh, gosh, she's crazy today. I'm going to go hang out with my male friends. We're talking about how crazy our wives are. Right. I there are a bunch of liberating beings in there trying to bring the things up that need to be worked on because they don't want to flatline and nor do they really want to be in a situation that's flatlined and dull and boring. Mm-hmm. They want to keep growing. So he has to honor that. I I could say that sometimes he should provide balance to her there and I think there should be a balance between him providing a support during it Mm. while she's in that space and then you get a little bit of balance, you get that growth and then she can also feel comfortable while this is happening as well. But, you know, it's a chaos button in the female form that's bringing things up so there can be change and transformation and liberation. Again, astrology confirms Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces are our liberators. And all of those energies exist inside of your uh, Stereo astrology charts, the feet of your animal totem. So meaning the female form rules over those areas that every single um, animal totem might give, the feet of their animal totem, it's the female form that in their spiritual nature that formulates that animal totem, mm. that part of the animal totem. I know it's kind of complex and difficult to understand, but all forms of... of Hysterian astrology point to the female side of our own nature as being the liberating force in us. Even males, in order to grow, you have to activate the feminine side of your your inner nature or yourself to even grow. Mm. Yeah, a spiritually evolved male is a balanced male between his masculine and feminine side. Testosterone in tantra is the negative side of creation. We believe that's where violence is stored and aggression. We believe that which is preventing us from advancing spiritually is in testosterone. Mm. So we see the form as containing it and having to adapt to its feminine side in order to truly advance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because we notice something happening with me. Like It's not every month, but it, it'll be around the full moon and something will trigger me some months more than others but it will it's a it's a pattern we've noticed. And so when we listen to this in one of your other podcasts, we were listening to this and he's like, "Okay, how do we work with this?" So, I love that explanation.
1: Yeah. Let the work begin and don't personalize it too much. She's in a liberating mode. She's trying to liberate. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I'd love to get into what you see for our next year, year of 2024.
1: If you have anything, yes, yes I would love would huge if... eclipses. Okay, by the way. we make major predictions through eclipses. Let me tell you how powerful eclipses are. So, I here's here's something that I have learned in the last twenty years of being an Austrarian astrology. If you have two eclipses and a malefic planet like Rahu, the North Node, or Saturn changes within a month of those eclipses, the planet is going to change permanently. Okay, so October was that. We had two eclipses in October, October um, 14th, October 28th, and then Rahu shifted into Pisces um, October 30th. So the month of October of this year was going to change our planet, and it did. When did that happen before? February of 2022, when Russia attacked Ukraine. Every time we have two eclipses while the planet is shifting, a malefic planet is shifting signs, you can guarantee, that's how I predicted the pandemic as well, massive eclipses, and then Saturn and Pluto shifted into Capricorn in January of 2020. So you could bet the planet be changed permanently. We have this going on again next year in April. Um, we have two major eclipses. Um, we have one March, late March, one April 8th, which is a solar. Uh, and then we have Jupiter, Getting ready to go into Taurus, and then we have Uranus. So we technically should say it, or Uranus going into Taurus too. Our relationship with money is going to change permanently next year. Mm. How we deal with money, how we handle money. Uh, Uranus is AI, and is also mixed in with you know technology. So money is going to start moving more to a technology based realm. Um, AI is going to be more involved in our money and things of that nature. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying Uranus rules over technology upgrades and he's going into Taurus. So you're going to see a financial upgrade. He's already doing this now when a planet is in the 29th degree, it starts laying down the groundwork for the energy of the transition. So we're kind of already experiencing some of this now, but it's the spring of next year. that's going to shift our relationship to money. Mm. I won't be predicting a president until July of next year. Donald Trump is under an extremely intense lineman, which I predicted August of this year till July of next year. Every single, uh, he was in what we call a South Node or K2 Bukti, making it difficult for him to pretty much do anything. Mm. And I said, I'm not going to make predictions until he's out of that phase. Um, If he's out of that phase, then Jupiter goes into his 10th house. So that's you know, we'll see what that's going to bring. I believe that there's going to be so many changes in, from April to uh, October of next year that there could be changes in everything that's going on. So making predictions right now is kind of like trying to predict who's going to go into the Super Bowl next year. I think there's going to be that many changes where I'm not going to be making big predictions until uh, July of next year regarding presidency. Money is going to shift. Um, I do believe that... Um, um, some of these war elements that are happening happening now, because Jupiter is still currently in Aries. The whole time, Jupiter and Rahu were in Aries, we've had war the entire time. Jupiter going into Aries is going to attempt to produce peaceful solutions. Actually, Jupiter going to Taurus next May is going to attempt to create peaceful solutions. I even think that the eclipses next year are going to attempt to create peaceful scenarios. If they don't work then these things escalate. These things that are currently taking place start to escalate even further. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be an attempt for some peaceful solutions. Weather is is my main concern. You'd be surprised I'm more concerned about weather than anything. Mm-hmm. And that is due to um Pisces, uh that you know Neptune going into Pisces, which happened last year, uh went off and on the year before as well. Um, Pisces is a sign that deals a lot with the water, the water on this planet and the rise of water on this planet, things of that nature. So I, I've I've been saying, even a lot of people are concerned of war and things of that nature. I am I'm concerned of weather being the energy that could easily produce the end of the age as we know it. But right now, I'm sticking with that prediction being bigger than war. And I did that last year too. I can't tell you how many other stars are telling me to predict a nuclear war last year. And I did, I'm like, oh, I mean, referring to this year, uh, 23. Oh, there's gonna, you know, Uranus and Jupiter conjunct and Aries and Siberia. Is gonna produce? I'm like, it's not, it's not. I'm still concerned about war. I mean, uh, weather, not war. Uh, it's the same for next year. I think weather is our main concern and we have to start finding ways to deal with weather. But money and how we deal with money, banks, all that, because of the emphasis on Taurus, Uranus going into Taurus and, and Jupiter going into Taurus, I think makes next year significant in it its transition on how we relate and how we deal with money. So you think
0: that like the breakdown of the money systems as we know it is like starting or has already started or we will see it happen?
1: I think it's kind of already starting because Uranus is in these late degrees in Aries, so it's already putting his hand in the constellation Taurus already a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The last star inside of Aries is called Vesta, and it it owns part of Aries and a part of Taurus. So Uranus is there now, and so it's already kind of touching upon these issues now, but it's going to become more extreme next year. So our relationship to money, I think is going to be the most significant issue about next year, of course we have an election coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's going to be huge um, because the United States has Saturn going over its moon, which is what we call, well, it's it's one of the darker transitions in Vedic astrology, but Saturn goes over the moon and it's in Aquarius, which is humanity-based. The whole stir around humanity is going to change. I mean, it's going to persist and not change until 25, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I believe we're going to stay in this stir no matter who's even elected president it's going to be this constant stir of Saturn going over the moon. Uh, so we, regardless of where that goes, I'm still expecting upheaval to take place no matter what. Uh, but I think money and our relationship to money is the big transitional energy of 2024. Well, do you have any advice on
0: like the relationship with money?
1: Um, you know, technology and money are supposed to merge further. You know, I, I'm not someone that deals with money. So I would love to be able to give you a direct answer on that. But there are people even around me, I'd probably recommend to tell you more about what to do with it than myself. But um, even though Bitcoin dropped way out uh, for a while, I could see that surging all over again. Um, I think AI ruling over banking and things of that nature becomes a bigger scenario next year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could see a lot of people, f- you know, feeling a great need to pull their money out of big banks and stuff like that mm-hmm. and start trying to figure out how to deal with money. I believe that the answer isn't even there yet on how mm-hmm. to deal with what's coming because because of AI and things of that nature, things are escalating so fast we actually don't even know what to do. Right. And I can feel that because even my own self, I'm like, well, what do I do with my money in my bank? Mm-hmm. Because I know this astrologically is coming, I can see it. I still don't have an answer though yet because that's not something that I've fully invested in. But you know, people that do have told me to invest in Bitcoin. Um, and and they're like, no, it had a really bad run recently, but it's going to surge back in there. And it's interesting. One of my clients who does deal with money, we had a conversation last week and I told him about my May alignment. I said, Jupiter goes into Taurus in May and Uranus goes in late May. And I said, that's going to change our relationship with the money. And he said, that is the alignment that we're talking about right now. He says, well, I'm going to take the alignment you're talking about and connect that to what we're already talking about in Bitcoin. He goes, I'm expecting Bitcoin to explode March and April of next year. And he said, so that coincides with your date because I believe big alignments start about a month or two in advance. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm expecting earthquakes to become a larger scenario because of Taurus being an Earth sign, Uranus going into Taurus. Um, I've witnessed Taurus producing um, bigger types of earthquakes, although earthquakes, I've been predicting very accurately, th- accurately through um, squares and conjunctions of uh Neptune and Mercury, and not one hundred percent certain why, but the relation between Neptune and, and uh, Mercury has produced some of our bigger earthquakes. But the emphasis on Earth signs and watch these random things like big train accidents. Uh, Taurus also rules over trains. Um, every major train accident we've had in the United States has coincided with the constellation Taurus. Um, so I am anticipating like train accidents, earthquakes, things that are Earth related. Mm. Um, now, it doesn't mean that Taurus doesn't rule over war either, because the first star inside of Taurus is Vesta, which is a war sign. So I'm expecting war to still continue next year, but I think that we get to a place where the conversation of how to get out of war starts to take place as well. Nice. Nice. Wow, that was a lot. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. And I know everyone's gonna want to book a reading with you. I know you're booked Months in advance. So where can people go to book their reading? And you can tell, I know you do a first reading is like the same for everybody, right? That's right. Yeah.
1: That that reading is very important to me because it's where I get to really flex the muscle of what I've created, where your animal totem, I get to align you with your gods, your guides, those energy. That And then you get to, you know, my, my number one favorite element of being an astrologer is aligning people with who they are. Mm. And so you have to get that first reading with me first because you've never had a reading ever like you will have with me. Nope. Oh, natally. You won't have one like that. So you have to get that one first. Um, but Asterian, A-S-T-E-R-I-A-N, AsterianAstrology.org is my website. at priest.com is my email. And I only book readings via email because my assistant only works through email. So we can see the chain and the dialogue there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. I highly recommend it. Get on for where well, you're probably booked out in March or April right now, but you've been yeah,
1: going into May right
0: now. Yeah. yeah. So definitely get yourself in there. Thank you so much, Jade, for making the time to have this conversation. Thank
1: appreciate... you so much for having me on my sh- your show. I was so excited to come onto your show.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I know I, you probably can see so much through that chart and just get yeah. to know people in that way. It's just such a gift that you have. I'm so grateful for your work in the world. I appreciate it. And
1: I appreciate your work as well.
0: Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening. If you feel like throwing some amazing karma out there, go ahead and leave a thoughtful review for this podcast and share it with one of your business besties. You can find more of me on TikTok, Instagram, and in my Facebook group. Find all the links in the show notes to never miss what's coming next over here.